Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. This special edition of Build, Grow, and Enjoy kicks off right now. We are going to call John Hansen on Skype Audio here in just a few seconds. If I can find his damn phone number, we will give him a holla, holla, holla. You gotta go to the old Facebook. Oh, you gotta go to Facebook and look up John Hansen. That's what you gotta do. Um, we're gonna call him, Mister John Hansen, a big star, John Hansen, star stage and screen, John Hansen. By the way, best-selling author, big-time superstar. And we are waiting on John to connect with us on Skype, and there is John Hanson, I believe. How are you, sir? Hey, how are you? Pretty good, actually. We've got John Hanson with us today. He, of course, is uh, the man, the myth, the legend behind BodybuildingLegendShow.com. He has also got a brand new book out there, and uh, that is going to be the crux and focus of today's broadcast. It is Bodybuilding Heroes and Legends, Volume 1, by Mr. John Hansen. And uh, the last time we had John on this program was probably 10 years ago, I would say. Wow. Uh, and uh, I, I, am, I am happy to have him back on today. And uh, the brand new book, Bodybuilding Heroes and Legends, Volume 1, is now available on Amazon. Get your copy at Amazon.com. And do all your shopping through our link at jagshow.com. And we get a little bit of a kickback on that. And then you get to pick up John's great book. Now, um, John, tell us a little bit about this book. Why did you decide to put this book together, my friend? Well, of course, I'm a big fan of the uh, old days of bodybuilding, the golden era. And uh, this book basically focuses on competitions from the 1970s when uh, Arnold was at his prime and he was competing against Sergio Oliva. And uh, Frank Zane was around, and Mike Menser, and Robbie Robinson, and all the guys that I grew up reading about in the muscle magazines. So uh, I think a lot of the younger guys today, a lot of the new people getting into bodybuilding, or into fitness, or figure, bikini, you know, there's so many divisions now. A lot of them don't know about these older stories of of the bodybuilders. Uh, They just know about the more recent guys. Of course, they know Arnold, but they don't know about the competitions he went in, or the different battles that went on or the backstage politics and all that kind of stuff so i thought i would uh, write a book about it and i called it volume one because i want to do more i want to do another one about the 1980s and then we can keep going with it i mean there's a lot of stories about those golden era now uh this this book is incredibly well written uh tell me a little Thank bit you. about some of the advanced reviews and different things you've gotten on the book so far well, I've just had my friends read it so far, and everybody likes it. You know, they thought it was, uh, like you said, it was well-written, and uh, thought it was, you know, a lot of interesting stories. And even the guys that have been around for a while, they may not know all the stuff that went on during those earlier contests, you know, back in 1969, 1970, 1972. So, uh, yeah, everybody seems to really like it, and uh, it was a fun time back then. You know, I grew up in that time. I started bodybuilding in 1977, and uh, I was lucky enough to go to the 1977 Mr. Olympia, 
so I got to see a lot of those guys in person, and I grew up in Chicago, so I got to see Sergio Oliva around when he was at his peak. So I got to see a lot of these legends that some of them are no longer with us, or they're much, much older, of course. So uh, I, I want to re- relive those glory days for uh, the people that weren't around back then. We've got a great guest for this today. He joins us live here on our big broadcast. The author of Bodybuilding Heroes and Legends, Volume 1, John Hansen, joins us today here on our big broadcast. Now, tell us a little bit about the choice for the cover photo. Yeah, that's one of my favorite uh, pictures, and it was from the 1972 Mr. Olympia, and it shows Sergio and Arnold doing the most muscular pose. So I thought, you know, what a better picture to, um, you know, just encapsulize the uh, golden age of bodybuilding was that big battle they had in Essen, Germany. And uh, a lot of people thought that Sergio should have won that contest and Arnold eked out a victory over him. So I thought that was a great photo. I love that photo the first time I saw it. So I thought that was a perfect image, you know, for the cover. It is John Hanson. He's with us today here on Build, Grown, Enjoy, and uh, happy to have him on today to discuss his brand new book, Bodybuilding Heroes and Legends, Volume 1. Now, um, this has got a little bit of everybody. It's got Zane, Robinson, Menser, Schwarzenegger. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us a little bit about some of the different research and some of the different uh, background and different things that you did to put this book together. Well, a lot of the research just came from reading the, the bodybuilding magazines. And um, as you know, back then, that's all we had was the bodybuilding magazines, just way before the Internet. So when, uh, you know, like when I started bodybuilding in 1977, I would anxiously wait every month for Muscle Builder magazine to come out or Ironman or uh, Muscle Mag International. And that's all we had for information back then. So, you know, me along with, I'm sure, hundreds or thousands of other young kids who were into bodybuilding back then, we'd reread the magazines and read them over and read them over because that's all we had for the next month until the next magazine came out. So I read those stories and articles so many times that they're embedded in my brain and now people call me like an historian of bodybuilding because, and they're like, oh, how do you remember all this stuff? It's because I read those magazines so many times. And, uh, and then some of the stories are from uh, personal experience. Like I said, I went to that 77 Mr. Olympia and 78 and 79 and 81. So I got to see those. And in fact, the chapter about the 1977 Mr. Olympia is told from my point of view, uh, being 14 years old and going to my first big bodybuilding contest. So it's, you know, it's told from uh, my perspective of seeing all the bodybuilders. And and that was the first big contest I ever saw. So it was quite an experience. We've got John Hanson with us today. He joins us live here on our big broadcast. He's got this incredible, incredible book out there. And um, uh, tell us a little bit about some of the, did you, did you just write this as, as far as, your perspective, or did you go try to track down some some of these guys and, and get some of their views on things, or how did that work exactly? Well, I have a a, a podcast, as you know, it's called Bodybuilding yes. Legends Podcast, and uh, I do interviews with a lot of the old old time bodybuilders from the 1970s and 80s, and um, I have a website called BodybuildingLegendsShow.com, and we've got video interviews on there as well. I just started the podcast a few months ago, but the Bodybuilding Legends show has been going on for the last couple of years. So, uh, yeah, a lot of those stories I got uh, directly from the horse's mouth, so to speak, and uh, directly from a lot of these bodybuilders like uh, Boyer Coe and Chris Dickerson and Bill Grant and Mike Katz. And uh, as I said, the magazines were another big part of it. And then, you know, whatever I experienced in person as well.
Now, what what were some things that uh, some of the stories that you've put in here and 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 all all the different things and in bodybuilding heroes and legends volume one? What, what was some of the ones that surprised you? Some of the different stories. Uh, I tell you, when I was researching the score sheets for some of the controversial contests, that was pretty interesting um, because some people look at the the contest that they thought could have went the other way and they thought it was fixed or whatever. But uh, one thing about the IFBB back then was they were pretty transparent and they would put their score sheets in the magazine so you could see every where every judge placed every competitor in every round. And so... Um, in the 19, my last two chapters in the book are from the 1980 Mr. Olympia, and uh, I go into the score sheets and I show how Arnold won and the different uh, points that he received from each judge. And, of course, some of those judges were his friends or people that he was really close to because he had been promoting the Mr. Olympia contest, I think, for the last five years before he went back into competition in 1980. So... Um, there was maybe a little bit of favoritism there and uh, you know some of his friends were very loyal to him and they placed him high even though he wasn't at his best so that was pretty surprising doing some research and, and researching that and like the 1972 mr olympia they had a lot of judges who really weren't um very qualified judges you know and some of their scores were really off uh some of them had sergio oliva as low as fourth place when many people thought he should have won i think he only ended up with one first place vote but he did take second place in the contest so that was pretty interesting because I thought it would have been much closer. Uh, many people thought Sergio should have beat Arnold that year. Even Arnold said that he thought Sergio uh, beat him that year. Now, that's that's always been a contention. We're, we're speaking today with John Hansen. Bodybuilding Heroes and Legends, Volume 1, is his latest uh, book. Um, why was that so controversial? And, and even you mentioned there Arnold should have, should have got beat, and even Arnold thought that. Well, it was because Sergio showed up in really great shape. And Sergio's always been an amazing bodybuilder because he's had these incredible genetics. He had a 27-inch waist, and he had massive size in all the body parts. In fact, he was one of the very few bodybuilders who didn't have any weak points. He had big calves. He had big thighs. He had uh, that tiny waist, big lats, big chest, big shoulders, big triceps, big biceps. Even his forearms were big. Everything was completely developed. It was just a matter of him coming into shape. And when, he, when, you, when you have someone who's that genetically gifted and who's that good, and you've got a lot of people telling you how good you are, it's easy to get complacent. And Sergio never had a diet that strict. You know, a lot of his, he would eat, you know, hamburgers and hot dogs and drink Coca-Cola or Mountain Dew right up into the contest sometimes. And, of course, the conditioning requirements back then weren't as much as they are today. Uh, this was in the 1960s, 1970s. So when uh, he won the second Mr. Olympia that he won, which was in 1966, or I'm sorry, 1968, he was unopposed because he was so good in 1967 when he won that the next year nobody showed up to compete against him because he was so incredible. So he was really uh, so far ahead of everyone else that I think he got a little complacent. And then when Arnold showed up, Arnold was a real challenge, and Arnold ended up beating him twice in 1970 at the Mr. World Contest and then at the Mr. Olympia. So Arnold unseated Sergio as the reigning Mr. Olympia. And um, so then when Sergio came back in 1972, he was very, very hungry, and he was very ripped. And he was working with Arthur Jones at the time, who was the Nautilus founder. And Sergio came in an amazing condition, and Arnold was a little bit off. So that was a bad year for Arnold to be off. And it was in 
uh, Germany. It was held in Essen, Germany, which uh, Arnold lived in Munich for a while before he moved to America. So um, many thought that there was some favoritism there or that Joe Weider preferred Arnold to win because he was, you know, he was the guy that uh, Weider was promoting in his magazine. So it was kind of controversial, but it was a, a great story and a great contest, and people still remember it today, and they still talk about it. We've got a great guest with us today here on Build, Grow, and Enjoy. John Hansen is with us today. He's got Bodybuilding uh, Heroes and Legends, Volume 1. It is a fantastic, fantastic read. And uh, you, you, you've put a lot of information in here. Um, just interviewing some of these guys and, and, and looking back on, on some of the different moments, um, why was Arnold such a, a, a star back then uh, and, and, and was able to kind of take a lot of that and transcend that into being uh, a big deal out in Hollywood and everything? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, Joe Weider brought Arnold over in 1968 from uh, Munich, Germany, and Arnold was already a two-time Mr. Universe winner at the time. He was only 21 years old. He was the youngest Mr. Win- uh, Mr. Universe winner ever at 20 years old. So he was already creating uh, uh, publicity for himself out in uh, in Europe, and everybody was talking about him. And then uh, Joe Weider had represented this for his magazine over in Europe, and they were telling him, you got to bring this guy over. So uh, Joe was looking for someone to really represent the IFBB. He was looking for a superstar. He needed a a big name, uh, someone who was very magnetic, someone who was very charismatic, someone who would get uh, young kids to buy his magazine and to, buy, and to start working out, someone who was very inspirational. And when he met Arnold, he knew he was the guy. You know, the people he had tried to do that with before, like uh, Chuck Sipes or Dave Draper, they just really didn't have the personality or the physique that Arnold did. So um, Arnold was the guy. And so when Arnold, when he brought Arnold over, he knew that, you know, he had to really promote Arnold, and, and Arnold was very hungry. It was a mutual a benefit relationship for the both of them because Arnold wanted to come to America ever since he was a kid. Uh, he grew up in a very small town in Austria, and he felt very confined, and he wanted to get out of there. He didn't want to live the typical Austrian life of you know just getting a regular job and marrying somebody and having kids. He wanted something bigger for his life. He knew that he was destined for something bigger. So he wanted somehow, some way to get to America. So when Joe Weider offered him to come to America, he knew that that was his ticket. And he took advantage of it in every way possible. And Joe Weider was a great businessman. And he was an art collector and he knew how to, I mean, he had built an empire from basically nothing. And uh, Arnold really soaked that up. And I talked to uh, Charles Gaines, who was the writer of Pumping Iron uh, on my podcast. And that's what he also said about Arnold. He said Arnold was like a sponge. He said no matter who he talked to, uh, if it was somebody who was in a profession that he wanted to get into, like when he wanted to get into acting or when he wanted to start investing in real estate, he would just listen and listen to the people who were successful in that career because he wanted to learn everything he could about it because he always felt, he always had this confidence that he felt like he could do it if they could do it. He never felt like, well, I could never do that. I could never be an actor. I could never be Mr. Universe. In fact, when he got into bodybuilding in Austria, a lot of people tried to just dissuade him and tell him you can't do this you know no austrian has ever won mr universe but he said well why can't i be the first and he was the youngest mr universe and and then he said he wanted to go to america and be in movies and i remember his parents were saying you know you'll you're crazy you can't do that but he always believed if someone else can do it why can't i do it and that's that's the thing about arnold he's he's always had that confidence about himself it is john hansen he's with us today here on our big broadcast talking about his latest book 
And uh, when 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 you started to put this book together, um, what what was some of the some of the research and 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 some of the writing process that uh, that, that that you did to put this incredible incredible piece of work together? Uh, as I said, it was basically just about going back, you know, and from really from memory, uh, from all the yeah. stories I read about in the magazines, and uh, there were some other great books that I read, like Rick Wayne's Muscle Wars. Uh, Randy Roach wrote a series of books called uh, Muscle Smoke and Mirrors, and I got some information from both of those books, some of the background information, uh, some of the politics that were going on back then. So it was that, and plus just what I remembered from uh, the magazines. You know, it's amazing how much I still remember from stuff that I read 40 years ago. But it was because, you know, <laughs> That's I, pretty cool. I had such an interest in it, you know. We've got John Hansen with us today. He joins us here on Build, Grow, and Enjoy, and uh, talking about his latest book. And um, what, what, what was some of the, I guess, trials and tribulations uh, throughout the, you know, the, the, the bodybuilding world that uh, you really wanted to make sure that you included in this book? Well, one of the things I wanted to include was just the different personalities that were involved in the sport. Um, it was really a unique time back then where I think, and the magazines helped do this too, was they really promoted each bodybuilder as an individual person. And, you know, one of the great things about the magazines back then was they had to fill up these magazines with content. So each month they would do uh, feature stories on some of the bodybuilders. And these bodybuilders would talk about, you know, where they came from, what motivated them to start bodybuilding, uh, what was their mental attitude getting into it, what was their goals, what were their desires. So you really felt like you got to know these bodybuilders personally. And um, that was great. That was a great asset to the magazines. I mean, so I remember some of these articles would be like, seven, eight pages long, and you would read about, you know, where these guys came from and uh, what was their mental attitude for it. And so that's what I wanted to try to bring into the book to show these younger kids who these guys were. Like one of my favorite bodybuilders in the book was this guy named Cal Scalac, who won the 1977 Mr. Universe. And Cal just had this incredible confidence about himself and a belief in himself. He was undefeated when he went into the Mr. Universe, and he wasn't favored to win. Mike Menser was favored to win. And he ended up beating Menser by one point. And then he ended up standing up to Joe Weider the next year when Joe wouldn't pay him for some articles, and he wanted to form a bodybuilder's union. So he was a very fiercely independent guy who wouldn't take shit from anybody, and he just would do whatever he wanted to do. And that was very, very refreshing uh, to read about a guy like that. And if you talk to some of the people today, they, they don't know who Cal was because his career was kind of short with the IFBB. He never won the Mr. Olympia. He only entered it once. And he actually quit after a few years after that uh, Mr. Olympia contest. And now he's he's a uh, bicycle rider. He's a, wow. a champion bicycle rider. Yeah. I think he's in his 60s now. And uh, he Holy just totally smokes. transferred to another sport, <laughs> and, and he's very successful at it. Yeah. That is pretty cool. We've got John Hansen with us today. He joins us live here on Build, Grown, and Joy, talking about... His incredible, incredible new book. It's available on Amazon and uh, Bodybuilding Heroes and Legends, Volume One. Um, this, this, this book, like I mentioned, it, it's just chock full of information. You've got all sorts of different, uh, different things in this book. Um, give us the profile of the typical reader who's going to love your book. Well, I hope we get uh, young and old people alike. I know people who are my age who read those magazines, they're obviously going to love it, and they're the ones who like my podcast, and uh, I get emails all, every week now from 
uh, old timers like myself who uh, say, man, I love reading this stuff. I feel like I'm 16, 17 again. You know, some guys will listen to it in the car when they're traveling with work or they'll listen to it when they're doing their cardio and uh, they just feel like they're transported in time back to the 1970s. But I know there's a lot of uh, younger guys out there who really love the classic, they call it the classic bodybuilding now, uh, the old time bodybuilding, the golden era. They love those physiques because those physiques were developed not only with size in mind, but also, you know, as the book Pumping Iron says, it's the art and sport of bodybuilding. And they developed their physiques to look like a piece of sculpture. And I think that's really the original intention of bodybuilding. And, uh, you know, over the last 20, 30 years, of course, it's been more focused on mass and size. And we've lost that original aesthetic ideal. And so I think there's a lot of young kids who don't like the way the modern bodybuilders look. They don't want to look like that. They'd rather look like Arnold or Frank Zane. So I'm sure if these kids today find out about this book, they're going to love this book because it's chock full of pictures. There's a ton of great old pictures from competitions and guys training in the gym back then. So they're really going to love it. And I think, I think they're, they're hungry for those stories. They want to know about those days. They want to know about these great bodybuilders. And I see posts on Instagram or Facebook sometimes where a younger guy will post a picture of like Serge Nubre or Sergio Oliva and say, wow, look at how great this guy looked. You know, I didn't know this guy existed. So I'm hoping that a lot of those younger kids <laughs> yes. will, uh, will uh, catch on and, and, and learn about some of these great bodybuilders from that era. John Hansen with us today. He joins us live here on our big broadcast here on Build, Grow, and Enjoy, BGE Radio out of Atlanta, GA. And uh, th- one thing that uh, a, a lot of folks, uh, and I don't think he gets enough credit, is Frank Zane. Uh, talk a yeah. little bit about Frank Zane. Yeah, Frank Zane was really amazing because when he won the Mr. Olympia, if you look at the guys who won before him, like Sergio and Arnold, they were mass monsters. They were big, big guys. And Zane just followed the beat of his own drum. You know, he never, he was a, uh, a smaller guy. He wasn't, he didn't have the muscle mass or the structure of someone like Arnold. So he just decided to follow his own path. And I think when he was younger and he first started bodybuilding, he tried bulking up and he tried getting bigger and he wasn't placing that high. And he just realized it wasn't for him. So he looked at his body and uh, he, he was sort of a statistician. He was uh, like a math, mathematics teacher. So he looked at his body and he, he looked at it more from an aesthetic point of view. And he said, you know, here's what I need to do to be my best. And he just followed his own path. And he, it took him a while. I think he started competing in the Mr. Olympia in 1972 and he didn't win until 1977. And some people thought he was never going to win, but he just did his own thing. And it really was amazing that he had the strength of mind to do that back then, because now here we are 40 years later. And people still talk about Frank Zane, and he's still very, very popular. He's like 75 years old now, and people still talk about him. Uh, so he really created his own path, and he did his own thing. And he was uh, a master of detail. You know, I mean, when he showed up at a contest, his tan was perfect. His haircut was perfect. His mother made his posing trunks. So she designed them so they fit his body perfectly. And when he stood on stage, he stood perfect to show his body. Every pose he did, he might only did like 10 or 12 poses. But each one of those poses was perfect for his body. And this is why a guy who was only 185 pounds could win the Mr. Olympia three times against some really big guys, some really good bodybuilders. And I was at all three of those Mr. Olympias, and I got to see it, and I agree that he, he deserved to win every one of those titles. So it was, it was a, strength, a testament to him to have the strength of mind to uh, follow his own path and do what he, he felt he should do, and it paid off for him. 
We've got John Hansen with us today. He joins us live here on Build, Grow, and Enjoy, BGE Radio, to discuss his great book, Bodybuilding Heroes and Legends, Volume 1. And uh, you, you mentioned that uh, you're, you call it Volume 1 because you, you, you want to go uh, to, to, the, to another book. Is that going to cover mm-hmm. the 80s, or is that going to cover specific bodybuilders in general? Yeah, I think I'll go with the 1980s with the next book. Uh, I want to talk about body. Well, uh, first of all, I want to talk about the 1981 Mr. Olympia, which I was at, and that was probably one of the most controversial Mr. Olympias ever when Franco won his second title. But I also want to talk about some other bodybuilders from the 1980s, uh, some who may not be familiar to a lot of people like Lance Dreyer and Tim Belknap. Those were two bodybuilders that I saw in Chicago, and uh, they both went on to uh, have some success. Tim Belknap won the Mr. America contest, and Lance Dreyer won the Mr. Universe. Um, so, yeah, I want to talk about some of those uh, great bodybuilding contests from the 1980s. And, uh, of course, Lee Haney was around back then, so we're going to talk about the 1984 Mr. Olympia, which was a very iconic Mr. Olympia. That was when Lee won his first Mr. Olympia. But it also featured the return of Sergio uh, back to the Mr. Olympia stage after 12 years from 1972 when he thought he should have beat Arnold to 1984. That was 12 years he didn't compete in the Mr. Olympia. So that was a great experience uh, seeing Sergio back, even though he wasn't quite at his best. And uh, that was a great contest because they had a lot of the old-time bodybuilders from the 70s who were ending their career, and it had a lot of the new bodybuilders from the 1980s who were just beginning their career. So it was really a special contest. And it was held in New York City also, where the very first Mr. Olympia was held in 1965. We've got John Hansen with us today. He joins us live. Now, um, John, let, let's talk a little bit about the Mr. Olympia, how, how that has changed over the years. Um, yeah. This, this used to be an event that was held overseas, uh, Germany, South Africa, some of these places, and now yeah. it's just stationed in Las Vegas at, at, at a hotel every year. Um, is it mm-hmm. easier to get everybody into Vegas, or what, what was the reason why they decided to station the Olympia in, in one spot? I don't know the official reason, but it seemed like um, back in the 1970s when Ben Weeder was running the IFPB, I know his goal was to get bodybuilding recognized as a legitimate, respectful sport. And he tried to get bodybuilding in the Olympics for many, many years. And it, wasn't, it was accepted in the Olympic Games. I'm sorry, the World Games, which is held as an alternative to the Olympic Games every four years. So I think every the two years that the Olympics aren't held, the World Games are held. And bodybuilding for many years was a part of the World Games. Um, and he had a great relationship with the, uh, Juan Antonio Samarek, who was the head of the IOC at the time. And uh, back then, bodybuilding was on Wide World of Sports. It was on CBS. It was on NBC. And I think in the late 70s and throughout the 80s, it really got great uh, recognition as a legitimate sport slash art. And uh, now it doesn't seem like they're really concerned with that. Uh, now I, I think uh, the people that run bodybuilding, I don't want to speak for them, but it seems like they just feel that this bodybuilding is what it is. You know, it's a, a niche sport. It's We have our own little community, and they just feel that it would be better just to hold it in one spot every year um, just to get more and more people there. And it's just easier to do that. I don't think they really care about uh, getting more like Olympic recognition or bringing it around to different parts of the, of the world like they used to do. Um, now it just seems like it's more for, uh, you know, the, the money part of it. And it I is. think they do that also with some of the other national level shows. You know, they used to switch around the nationals every year would be in a different city or the junior nationals would be in a different city. Now 
they're usually always in the same city every year just to make it easier, I guess, for the competitors and uh, and for the people who go see it. It's John Hansen. He's with us today here on Build, Grow, and Enjoy, and he's got Bodybuilding Heroes and Legends, Volume 1. It is an absolutely amazing, amazing book. Um, when can we expect the next book from you, my friend? Well, I have most of the uh, articles written, so uh, it won't be long, you know, maybe a couple of months. But I do have another book coming out on Amazon uh, probably in another week or two. It should be this month. It's called the MP6 Workout, and it's more of a training manual. MP6 stands for mass and power, and the six stands for uh, six weeks. So it's training cycles of six weeks each for power and then for mass, and it's a great way to develop more size and strength in your bodybuilding. It's sort of like a cycle program very similar to what powerlifters use, where it's an overload type of system, but it's uh, periodization. And uh, I think a lot of people really like it. I've been using it myself for the last couple of years. And uh, it's a great way to train and consistently get bigger without overtraining and without injuring yourself. It's just a slow, slow progression like a lot of the powerlifters use, but it's more of a bodybuilding base. Fantastic. Well, uh, you say that's going to be out in a couple weeks. I'd love to have you back to uh, to talk about it with us. Oh, I'd love to be back. Thank you. That'd well, be great. I appreciate it. Thanks for being with us, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for coming on, my friend. All right. Thank you. Thanks for having me as a guest. I appreciate, appreciate it. it. Thanks. That is John Hansen on Skype Audio. We are going to take a brief break. Thanks for listening to us here on Build, Grow, and Enjoy. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Jumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Jumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.